Todd Stacy and Mary Sell. And welcome to In the Weeds with Alabama Daily News. We are back after taking a, a week off. Uh, from I didn't the podcast take a week off. Week. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. I I took a couple of days off, even though I think everybody in the state house thinks I was on some kind of sabbatical. But um, back back in the saddle, and we're, ma- we're making up for uh, taking a week off by having another uh, interesting and influential guest, none other than House Speaker Nathaniel Ledbetter. Mr. Speaker, welcome. It's good to be on here. Thank you guys for inviting me. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. So how how are things going? We're we're less than two weeks out. Two weeks out from from the session. Uh, how's how's the prep work going? You know it's going good. I think uh, going into the first year of the quadrennium, having so many changes in our body, you know, in leadership and having uh, uh, a total of thirty one new members in the body is certainly a uh, a learning curve for all of us and me included. So. But I think we're doing well. I think the, our staff's done an outstanding job. The leadership team is doing a great job, and they've been working every day uh, trying to get the budgets ready to go. And And I certainly commend Chairman Reynolds and Chairman Garrett for the work they're doing because it's been nonstop, and they have uh, certainly done a good job. And, you know, other chairmen we've met with, uh, had the chairmen's in town last week, I guess it was, and, and met with all of them, and it went really, really well. And I actually had an opportunity to go over the new rules and had our legal team in there to answer questions and go over procedures. So I think everything is going really good. I mean, I, if I was to say I'm ready on day one, I don't know that that would be the case. I'd <laughs> like to have a couple more weeks probably, but, uh, you know, it's been wide open. We, we were just talking about it earlier. I don't think I've had a day off now for a while. <laughs> yeah. Been, we were in D.C. this weekend for a, a new speaker's orientation and had a great time there, learned a lot of things that's going on across the country. So it's part of the process of getting prepared. Okay. Well, well speaking of, of, of that process, and you mentioned new rules, one of the things y'all are going to be doing differently this year, and I was hoping you could get a little in, in the weeds on, is the, the work that you expect committees to be doing in the upcoming session Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what that will look like and what that procedural change will look like um, versus what we're used to seeing in committees and then on the floor. It's, it's going to be more committee work and less floor work, right? That, yeah, that's right. I mean, the thing about it is once we looked at it, I uh, we had our, our, our legal folks look at it and, and pulled in with our leadership team and discussed it a number of times. And I felt like as a speaker, you know, it would put more uh, power, more authority back into the chairman and back into the co- uh, the members and the committee members. And once we kind of had a chance to look it over and I, that's one thing I, I stressed with our chairman uh, last week is that you really got to do due diligence now in committee. I mean, uh, once the face come out of committee, the, the amendments that's made on in committee will stay on. They won't have to be voted on on the floor. So uh, it is a change for us. I think it's a change for the better or we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't moved in that direction. It does take a little bit of authority away from the speaker's chair probably because he's not watching the process. And, but I've, I've got, I've got confidence in our chairman and chairwomen. And I, I certainly think that we've got a good group of men and women. that's going to be holding those positions. We've got good committees. So I think, uh, giving them more authority and more power is good. Plus it, it, uh, lets the debate go on more where uh, 
everyday citizens can sit and, and be more involved. Well, that, that kind of leads me to um, what the floor is going to be like, because one of the complaints we would hear from just rank and file members really over the last, last term, last four years was kind of in, inefficiency. I guess they would, they would say, they would argue um, debate going on and on into the night uh, on the house floor. I think, I think part of that, part of the, the is a problem of comparison because upstairs in the Senate, they would just kind of move quit so quickly because they have this like tacit agreement between the majority and minority. But so maybe that was part of it as they were, they were watching the Senate and, and, but is, do you think that's going to be um, any different? Do you think those concerns that some lawmakers had about going too slow, uh, they'll, it'll speed up a little bit? Well, I think, you know, I don't think you can compare the work of the Senate to the House, really. I mean, when you look at the way the the different rules are, I mean, they can call previous roll on every bill. Yeah. Not go through the process, and uh, which is, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's good. Uh, sometimes it may not be, but. You know, their, their procedures are totally different from ours. Plus, they got 35 members. We got 105. Uh, so, you know, if you if you put the number of members versus ours and you put the same amount of time percentage-wise as they're doing, they're probably spending more time than we are. Uh, but that's not the case. I think, uh, you know, one thing we'll do, we'll probably start a little earlier on Thursdays. I've talked to the chairs about that, and I think they're good with it. And we've been starting at 10. We're probably going to start at 9. My goal is to try to make sure the calendar is, is made to the point where the members can get out a decent time. And, uh, we want, we want our goal is to always start on time. And I think that's important. And, uh, I think that'll allow us to, to move a little quicker. I think we got to let the process work. I mean, there's going to be debate. Uh, you can't not, uh, I think it's unfair not to have a debate. I think mm-hmm. you know, one thing Todd, I've had to kind of adjust myself to, you know, being the majority leader for the past five years, I've had a, a caucus that I was over and looking after. And, and now that role has changed to where I've got the entire body, both uh, Republicans and Democrats. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's something that we've worked on and we certainly have got open door policy for either caucus and, and work with both of them. But I, I think that uh, the thing we're going to try to cut down on is redundancy. I mean, if you've got a, uh, you wish we're debating the bill and, you know, it's a good debate, and both sides are engaging in positive debate. I think that's good. Once that we get redundant and quit at, and continue asking the same question over and over, uh, then I think it's probably time to move on. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know, Go ahead, Todd. Well, sorry, I, I just I knew that y'all had a um, mock session uh, for the freshmen, and I wondered how that went. Did you think they were? Um, did they, did they get caught up to speed on procedure? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the good thing about it is, of course, we we had uh, Otney there, which is over our LRS that, draft is our, that drafts our bills for us and does most of the legal work for the body. And then we also uh, had John uh, in there, and and he was able to, from, from his chair, to explain why and what we did. So to, to have the clerk in there to talk about the procedure and why we did it. So the good thing about the mock session was we could just stop and say, okay, this is why this happened. You know, the, and I'll, I hate to tell on myself, I'm going to have to be honest about this. When I first come in as a freshman, I didn't know 
what I didn't know. And uh, nobody had ever told me, you know, exactly how the BIR worked. And I wasn't real sure what it was. And so I think, you know, that was one thing that we made sure of is the procedure of the BIR and, and, you know, kind of what we look for when it's up. And I do think it was good. I, I almost wish we would have done a little more. But, uh, the you know, we had some senior members come in and, and carry some bills and let them debate them. And that's the first time we've ever done that since I've been here. So uh, I just thought it would be good practice. And, and I think it gives them opportunity to get the feel of the floor and how it moves. So thir- 31 new members. Uh, how How's that going? <laughs> That's a lot of personalities to learn. Well, it is. And, you know, the thing, we, we have done some things different. I mean, you know, it's just, I think you kind of, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to come in as a freshman and being majority leader and then moving on to, to being speaker and, and being in different roles. But, you know, I could see some things I thought if we could do, before the session started, it might help us. So one thing we did different this year, of course, was the mock session. The second thing is we put a mentor with every member. So they're not on a desert. They're not alone. They got people that they can contact. Every freshman has got a, a senior member that they can pick up a phone and call. And uh, we did that. You know, We uh, had our staff to kind of line those up regionally. To make sure that if you know if they wanted to have go if they wanted to ride and have coffee they could or whatever and that's happened and I've been real pleased to hear how much conversation has been going on with the mentors uh, I think that's important you know the other thing of course bringing all the chairman and vice chairs down and kind of going through everything I think was important. So I think our job is just to give them as much information as we can. Yeah, I know uh, Chairman Garrett is has met with the freshmen and went over the procedure of the uh, ETF and kind of the tax structure of our state. And I think that is beneficial and, and we'll continue to do that. Yeah. You know, every new lawmaker, they ran on something, right? They, they campaigned hard on, on issues that, um, you know, they're really important to them. And then, you know, you get to Montgomery and understand that, well, the procedure may not allow for this or that the budget doesn't work that way. And, um, that, that can be disappointing, but I, you know, is part of your goal, uh, your mission to try to put these freshmen, um, in a position to the, where they can live up to their campaign promises, uh, deliver things for their district. Yeah. I think that's the, the bottom line is we want all our members to be successful in their district. I, and I've told them, you know, over the last few months, you know, if you're successful in your district, and I've told every one of this, them this, if you're successful in your district, then the state as a whole is going to be successful. So that's certainly our goal. And that's something that we're going to help, help them try to do. And, you know, as a, uh, as speaker, we, we kind of engage that with our staff and with our leadership as well. You know, we got to work to help the members be successful. On the other hand, you know, the members have got to uh, understand the process and understand that you can't, uh, you know, if, uh, if you got something that you're wanting to pass, that's going to affect the ETF budget by millions and millions of dollars. Then there's got to be a conversation because the money is usually going to a certain uh, yeah. earmark. So, I mean, those are some things I think they have to learn. But uh, our goal is to try to make each one of them successful back in their district. Yeah. So, you know. I, want, I promised my voters a 
fifty percent tax cut yeah. <laughs> across, across the board. That's not yeah. probably not going to work. No, no, no. That's that's uh, that's a that's a heavy lift. <laughs> well, and we have heard from several. You mentioned the ETF, and we we have heard from several. Um, seems like school choice right now is is a hot topic, and and a lot of folks did run on expanding school choice. Um, but I mean that that is a huge lift and a huge conversation. Um, what what are your conversations with, especially new members who are really fired up about that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we uh, we just got out of a meeting with the governor, and that was one of the things that we talked about. I think what we did last year, uh, you know, the House and the Senate pulled together ad hoc committee, and I I along with the leader Schofield co-chaired that committee and i think we pushed out five or six bills and all those bills are are hopefully going to help education i think we'll see some of that this year we will have some bills that i think will be school choice we'll expand some of the the ones that's in play and i think we'll add some new ones uh i i do believe that there is places that we can use school choice i certainly do believe that but i do think there's you got to do it in a way where you uh you don't uh continue down the road of making the rich richer and the poorer poorer i mean you know if you if you try a school choice and the allocation from state is sixty eight hundred dollars you're going to the school system that that spends sixteen thousand eight hundred dollars that means you still got to spend ten thousand dollars to get in that school uh so i mean there's a lot of things that goes with that uh, you know another thing is i've had private schools contact me and say listen we're not for this because we set it up as a private school because this is how we want it. This is how we mm-hmm. want our children. So I think that is something that you got to consider. And then, uh, you know, if you got one side of Jefferson County, maybe that wants to bus kids to the other side or kids, a large number of kids decides to go to the other side of the County, you don't have the facilities for it, or you don't have enough teachers for it. And then that creates a problem. So I think, uh, I think the aspect of an, my goal is this, and this is what I will tell our, our members, is to improve education. You know, it's been my goal, and, and I know y'all have heard me talk about it. I think we got good teachers. we got good administrators. But we know where the problems are, and we've got to go inside those walls and fix those problems. You know, my thing is to make sure that our kids has a chance to have the best education they can possibly have, whether they live in Wilcox County or whether they live in Shelby County. And I think that is our primary goal. Uh, well, we, we'll see some changes. Yeah, we will. I think there'll be good changes. I mean, uh, Pro Tim Reed, like I said, would just come out of a meeting with the governor, and we had a conversation about a lot of that different topics. And uh, I believe that we'll make progress. Now, are we going to have everything exactly like everybody wants? That's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. uh, But I do think – you know, the numbers are showing some of the things we've done with the Literacy Act is changing the numbers. I think the Numeracy Act, after we've had it in play for a while, we're going to see that change in numbers. We went from 20-something counties that was below efficiency in reading to now just six. You know, we've moved from number 50 in the country to, I think, we're 39 and, and up to 40. So, you know, we're the process that we're doing is working, and uh, we just got to continue down that road. And certainly, uh, I think there is room for all different types of school uh, changes that could make it more positive. Yeah, it was interesting in our conversation with 
uh, Rep Representative Collins, who is, you know, a, a subject matter expert on education and like a school choice champion, right, mm -hmm. from, from, from many years ago. You know, when we asked her about this, she's like, well, look, let's sure I'm for school choice, but let's use this, the laws that we have in place, like the Accountability Act, like the charter school law improvements there. She, she kind of seemed to be like, well, sure, that's OK. We'll, we'll talk about that. But let's not forget some of these laws on the books that we have that we really need to fund better and maybe improve. So I, I thought that was interesting coming from a, a big school choice champion. Well, and I think, you know, Chairperson Garrett, her passion is in education. And, uh, you know, she's worked extremely hard. The Literacy Act was a bill that she actually passed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I went to, this, you know, speaker, I have a chance to put who I want to over whatever uh, committee. And, you know, when I, when I thought about what uh, Terry had done and the work she had done, I mean, I think she was, we're now, we're at a point where we can see a significant change in education. And I know she's been a, a vital part of that, uh, along with uh, Chairman Garrett and certainly uh, a lot of other folks. Uh, so I, I know that there's been a lot of people worked hard on it. And, you know, uh, Representative Baker has worked extremely hard on it. You know, we've got uh, a lot of people that is engaged now, I'll be honest, uh, that probably hadn't been engaged. Mm -hmm. And Senator Marsh and I talked about it when he first brought this bill forward. We had multiple conversations, long conversations, and we didn't agree on everything. But the thing that I do agree on is that he has brought this conversation to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And I credit him for that. And I think last year when we started meeting, of course, he was with us and, and joined in on every meeting. Uh, we made some changes that has certainly already proved that's going to improve our education system. We're seeing it. And so I think we're going to be doing that again. Uh, I've talked to both chairman of the education trust fund and e education policy. And, and I think we're on board to, we've already got probably half a dozen things to be looking at and I'm excited. I really am. And I, you know, my goal is speaker, you know, when I leave this office, I want us to be in the top tier in education in the country. And uh, it's not necessarily about a name tag. It's not necessarily about, a literacy act name or our numeracy act or our, you know, school choice. It's about being the best we can be in education. Hmm. Speaker, let uh, me, let me switch gears on you real quick. I'm just going to talk over Todd. Let me switch gears <laughs> on you real do. quick. Todd, Todd, are you used to that? That's what I was going to ask. You. <laughs> I, I prefer it. I prefer it. Uh, you mentioned uh, conversations with the governor. I, I got to assume Part of that might have been about ARPA and and that spending plan. What what are you expecting? Uh, can you can you give us any details about where y'all are leaning priority wise? And is that a special session in the early part of the regular session? You know, Mary, it's one thing I know about you. You've been here for a while, and you know all the tricks. And you, you but you do know this that the governor has to make that call. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what are you preparing for? <laughs> the governor will make that call. See, see she, sometimes she'll talk over you. So other times she'll just beg the silence. You know, it's just, it's so, you know. That's pretty good. Now well, I think. What are y'all prepping for? Yeah, we, we've had conversation. And uh, I think that the uh, state of the state will know exactly what's going to be coming. I think uh, there's a plan that's being formulated uh, not only for ARPA funds but for incentives uh, for our uh, 
growing Alabama's economy. And those, as you know, sunsets uh, pretty quick. I think July is when they sunset. So we certainly have had that conversation. I think it's something that we'll see uh, come out. And uh, I think I, I applaud the governor. I, I don't know how many times we've met with her in the last month, a bunch. And, uh, and I, I mean, uh, Pro Tim Reed coming back from across the road while ago was talking. I told him, I said, you know, there's one thing about it. I said, and we have conversations. I mean, we have pretty in-depth conversation that we don't always agree. Uh, but the good thing about it is that we were able to agree to disagree on some things and we come up with what we feel like is a plan going forward. And uh, I think it's going to be good for the people of Alabama. And that's what we all want. Hmm. Um. Switching gears yet again, I wanted to ask you about this. Um, this. There's talk. There have been a couple of stories, and there's just kind of talk about the possibility of a, a state-level freedom caucus, meaning, you know, in, in, in Washington, in Congress, they, in the House, they started this freedom caucus back in the, I don't know, like 2012, 2013, kind of like a breakaway group from the House Republican conference to be the, the kind of the right wing of the right wing. Um, and we can talk about that, but there's this group kind of going around to state legislatures trying to start the same thing at the legislative level, at state legislative level, and there's been talk of that uh, here in Alabama. Have you heard anything about that, and what's your sort of general reaction um, of, of something like that getting started? Yeah, yeah, I have heard something like that. I mean, you know, the thing about it is I... I don't think we need people from Washington, D.C. telling us how to run the state of Alabama. And that's where the group is out of. And, you know, we can see what they've done up there. You know, does that what Alabamaans want is a dysfunctional body like we have in Congress, uh, mm. you know. And the thing about it is, as a majority leader, it really pains me to see when the uh, majority of whatever 200-something members and it's a strong vote of probably close to 200, is my understanding. And you got 10 that holds it up. I mean, that is not democracy at all. And they can, they can, you know, talk about what they did or why they did it, but that's not democracy. You know, we've always went by majority rule. And mm. uh, we have got a good, strong caucus in Alabama. I mean, all they got to do is look at our track record. You know, we've paid off billions of dollars that we were left with debt. Uh, we've got billions of dollars in the bank that the Alabama's never had. We're growing jobs faster than this state's ever had grown. Uh, we're producing more automobiles. We're producing more planes and ships that this, this state has never done. And we've been rated the most conservative legislative body uh, in the country. So I don't know what we, they can accomplish in Alabama. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm proud of our caucus. I'm proud of each and every one of our members and what they do and what they stand for. And I'm, you know, I always said if we split our caucus, we become weaker. And sometimes I wonder if that's not what Washington DC wants, uh, because that's exactly where this is coming out of. Well, you're not, you're you not wrong. A, I mean, does it have any traction? Here? Uh, I don't see any traction. I mean, what can, I mean, the thing is, it's just like we talked about, Mary. I mean, everything that we've been able to accomplish and what we've been looking at, I mean, what would be the purpose of it? Right. 
Well, and I'll, I can speak from a little bit of experience because the, the Freedom Caucus got started when I was up there working in Congress. And I think it I think you could argue that it maybe was at the very beginning. There were some principled people who were trying to do, you know, a, a noble goal of yeah, we're we really want to be a, you know, very, very conservative. And we want to push the conference in that direction. But what ended up happening in, in practice is that you had 10 or 15 of these Freedom Caucus members. And so they would go to the speaker or to the majority leader and, and negotiate on stuff. Right. They say, we want the, we want these are our demands. We want this budget cut. We want this in the bill, blah, 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 blah. And then the speaker, then whether it was Boehner or Paul Ryan or whomever, would say, okay, we, we accept your demands. We're going to put this in the bill. And then they'd turn around and go vote no on the bill, yeah. right? Yeah. And so you, you can only do that a couple of times when people stop negotiating with you. And so right. the, the end result was, well, these, these 10 or 15, like you said, are going to vote no anyway. They're just yeah. not going to vote yes. So what happens if, you, if, that's, if that's the margin of, of the vote? You've got to get those votes. Where are you going to go get them? On the on the moderate side, mm-hmm. if you're if you're the speaker, and so, um, so the the ultimate result many times of the Freedom Caucus's work was to make bills less conservative in the, mm-hmm. in, the in the end. So it that's is a, right. it's a cautionary tale for Alabama. Well, it is a cautionary tale, and that's a prime example, Todd. And I, I think you're spot on, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, you're right. It makes the bill that you're working on to be a conservative bill less conservative because you went to the less moderate mm-hmm. to get it passed. And I think that's a prime example. Uh, you know, they are. You know, you hear the word. Some say that, uh, and and at the end of the day, this is what I have found out. Uh, and being around politics for a while, and certainly keeping up with it. Those are the people that achieve absolutely nothing for the people they represent in their district. Mm. I mean, they cannot get anything passed because of the conflict they cause in their caucus. And they, they, they put themselves on an island. So the people that suffers is the people that they represent back in their district. When all you do is vote no. That's you know, right. You, you can't you can't ask for any favors down the road, right? That's right. I mean, you're 100 percent right. I mean, you've been around it, Todd. You know. I mean, you know how it works. I mean, you know, uh, we can agree to disagree, and I think that's fine. I think that's what it should be about. But at the end of the day, the majority rules, mm-hmm. and once that decision's been made, even though I might not agree, I go forward. Listen, uh, just in the meeting we was in a while ago with the governor and the pro tem and our chairs. I didn't agree with all they've talked about, but at the end of the day, the conversation, the governor's in charge and we come up with what everybody was in, in, in reasonable response of. And I think that's what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I can do more for my constituency and I can do more for our members if we work together. And, uh, that's, that's how I see it. And that's the way I'm going to do it as long as I'm involved. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. To, I'm curious to see what happens. Cause I think maybe more, maybe more talk than than action, but you know, we'll we'll see soon enough. Yeah, we will. Yeah, I think we. For my my point, we got one caucus. Well, let me ask you one other issue question before we let you go. I know you're being very generous with your time, um, and that is on fentanyl. I know this is a, a particular uh, issue of importance for you. Um, 
you've talked about it on Capital Journal with me before. What do you think we're going to be seeing proposal-wise to deal with the fentanyl problem, um, and from both from a health perspective and a law enforcement perspective? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've got to make it, and, and uh, Chairman Simpson has got that bill drafted, and I've looked at, it, and it certainly changes the penalties. Uh, or that if you get caught with fentanyl, it's going to, you're going to have to spend some time in, in jail, and that's the way it should be. And certainly if you get caught with a large amount of it, uh, you're going to spend a lot of time in jail. And, you know, the thing that I'm hearing across the state, you know, some issues that we're having now because of, you know, the this drug evidently is so potent. Uh, we've got law enforcement officers that has doing routine stops that wind up getting sick because they're touching uh, looking, you know, kind of looking into the car and see what's going on, uh, getting sick by touching just what's inside the car. And I know for a fact, you know, even in my district, it's it's uh, we've had deaths that's been caused by it. So I think from that standpoint, we want to try to make our penalties stiff enough. And I respect uh, Chairman Simpson. I think he's going to do an outstanding job with it. We've already got the bill filed. We'll have it early on in session. We're going to try to get it out into the Senate quickly. I just think it's that important and uh, it's, it's killing our kids and across the state. I mean, we're having multiple deaths and, and every corner of the state. And I, of course, Alan Treadwell chairs our Homeland Security and he and I had a conversation a few weeks back and uh, he's on a committee, some kind of committee was telling me there in Jefferson County and he said fentanyl deaths, uh, deaths because of fentanyl is up like 400%. So I think uh, as leaders of this state, not only we've got to address it, we've got to address it quick and we've got to make it certain. Let me ask you one more, if you don't mind, Speaker. Um, We just came out of two days of budget hearings. Um, Yesterday, there's presentations um, from Commissioner Boswell from mental health, um, as well as several others talking about some of the the social services needs that that you see in the state. I know that um, mental health has been a a prime issue. You've you've championed that for several years, um, getting more counselors in schools, help setting up these crisis units. Um, but, but listening to, to the commissioner yesterday, I mean, everybody agrees that there is a, still a tremendous need. Um, how, what, if anything, would you like to, to see done there, uh, in, in the next year? Yeah, I think the thing we've got to do, I mean, you know, uh, we've, uh, certainly up the game. I, I had an opportunity to be in Oklahoma city at a conference and, one of the topics was mental health. And I went into the meeting, listened to what I thought I might could learn to find out that we're already doing everything they're doing. So Alabama, even though we've got needs, you know, I think most in most categories, we're not, we're not following anymore. We're starting to lead, which I'm proud of commissioner Boswell for that. And I'm proud of the, the department for that. We do have work to do. I think one of the things that we've got to look at, uh, as y'all know, because of the budget issues, Early on, we had to shut down some facilities. I think long-term care is is going to have to be something that's looked at. You know, we uh, we got the crisis care centers that's opening up, and man, they're that's going really good. And uh, I've had a chance to be at some of those openings, and I've talked to some of those directors and to see the work they're doing. I don't think it's in question they're saving lives, not only the lives of those that have mental distress, but lives of people that they love and and know out in the community. And I think we're making a difference. You know, I think the mental health issue, Mary, is going to be one of those things that we've always got to 
continue to work on. And I think it's like a puzzle. There's going to be pieces that we have to put together. And we've started some, some programs in, in, you know, in elementary schools, some peer to peer programs I think can be beneficial. And, uh, they're probably looking at some telehealth things that could be positive. So I think there's just a wide array of it. And certainly, you know, once we started on this journey, I'd asked the representative, which is now chairman Reynolds now to kind of oversee that. And he'd done a tremendous job. We've increased our CA, CIT training for our police officers. We've moved in a good direction to help protect themselves and protect the people that they serve. And I think we have come a long ways, but we got a ways to go. And, uh, you know, the thing I'm, I guess if I look at everything, the main, the thing I'm most proud of, I think there is a different platform today for mental health than there was just three years ago. Sure. You know, I think we're, we're more open to talk about it. We get a chance to talk about it with people like you and, and Todd, you know, we hear and see now we hear athletes talking about, you know, yeah. this is the issue We hear actors talking about it. Even well, uh, we're hearing your, your, your colleagues talk about it. I mean, we're hearing, folks um, in the legislature talking not just about their constituents needs, but like their personal experiences with family mm -hmm. members. And that's not something that we heard three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I, I think that's important, Mary. And the reason I think it is, I, you know, I think we're figuring out that mental health is just as important as physical health. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've got members now that has lost family members because of it. And, uh, you're right. You're hundred percent right. So we'll start. Now, one thing we will do, and I, I, I talked with chairman Lee about this, we're going to put a subcommittee in health and the, that subcommittee will be just on mental health. Hmm. That's okay. interesting. Well, we've taken a lot of your time. I, I won't take any more, but I, I do have to ask you. Um, so your the state of the state's coming up, mm -hmm. right. In about a week. Right. So, you know, you're going to be on the dais this time. Yeah. So, so are you practicing your like, resting face for when for when the camera's on you you know it's always it's like this during state of the union you know it's like okay what face do you make uh <laughs> you, gotta pra you gotta practice that yeah you know i i i, I will i probably will i, I don't you know, listen to i don't think it matters what face i make it in gonna change it so uh yeah i'm not really worried about that so i don't i don't know it's not going to improve it i hadn't got let me let me put like i hadn't got a i hadn't got a uh change in my facial expression that's going to improve my look so i don't i don't know if there's anything i can do for that yeah well it, 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 you can count on it. it won't be as awkward as kevin mccarthy um as as president biden speaking what what face do you make when you disagree you know? yeah. look again thank you so much for your time and we will uh we look forward to session hey thank i appreciate speaker. it i'll thank take my uh I'll take my uh, special session question elsewhere. Thank you very much for your time. Well, you're welcome. I, you know, the thing is, Mary, maybe next time a popsicle will get the, get the answer. There you go. All, All right. right. Next time I'll All come prepared. All right. Thank you all. All right. Cool. That was good. Well, well that, that was good. I appreciated him. Um, you know, uh, so many times on the TV show, there's, there's such a time limit that people – limit their answers. I felt like he really kind of expounded on things. That was good. Yeah, it was. I am, I'll be real curious to, to see how this, this new procedure regarding the bills and the amendments and getting things done in committee and then not having to vote on them on the floor, uh, how that's going to change the, the, the flow, uh, this, the session. Yeah. 
I mean, the, I mean, I was talking with um, Joe Lovern, the rules chair, you know, who, who wrote the rules package, and he was very confident that it was going to be a, you know, lead to a, a better process. But again, you, you never know until you try it. Um, and I, look, I think one of the most interesting things that he talked about was the whole freedom caucus thing. And I know that's sort of a, a pet issue for me, just, but, um, but it's, it, it really would have real consequences if something like that got started, because um, like he said, it, it ultimately is a division of the caucus and that right. it's a big caucus. Um, they've got votes to spare, but not on everything. And so, well, um, yeah. And I think his point, and I, you, you know more about this and where this is coming from than I do, but yeah. What, what is the point? Like we're going to try to, I mean, we're already the most conservative state. Like what, what's the end game here? Well, and typically when, it, when there's a group involved, that's a pack, you know, it's a political action committee or, or some other kind of political group, you know, a lot of times it's fundraising. Mm. It's uh, not just for that group, but for individual members. I mean, that's, that's what, uh, that's what a lot of them have, have done in, in DC that, they've turned the incentive structure upside down. Like um, part of this is just where the Republican party has gone, but like they, they don't get punished for, um, you know, dysfunction or voting. No, they, they get rewarded because they get to take that vote and go um, send emails and, you know, hit up the win red button and, and get a bunch of fundraiser, you know, gotcha. get a bunch of, political money. And there's a lot of groups like that, that it's, it's, and I'm not casting aspersions here. It's just kind of, why, why else would they do it? Just, you know, is there, is there something Alabama has done that is just, uh, you know, making the freedom caucus mad? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I, it, typically there's always, um, some kind of incentive and money's a big one. Yeah. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see if that takes, uh, gets legs. Yeah. Well, and by the way, uh, you talk about the special session. I did speak with Senator Orr and Senator Albritton today, and they were a little more uh, <laughs> forthcoming saying, well, I kind of asked it direct because remember Orr said um, he thought it might be sort of toward the middle of the session a few yeah, weeks ago or early in the uh, sometime in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, he was more leaning toward, you know, not, not at the very beginning, but in the, in the first few weeks. Um, so, but that was, that interview took place before they all went over and met with the governor. So it could have very well changed. We'll circle back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they'd be wise not to, just jump right into the special session. If, if for no other reason, just to not shock the system of the, the new members. Right. Um, well, and then you also have, like, I was just looking at the schedule, this looking at actually looking at a calendar, they're only going to be in for three weeks and then take a spring break. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, you know, they take the spring break around when the most schools in the state take spring break. So they'll be in for three weeks, then take a break. So and spring break is the week of the 28th. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep, yeah, whatever 20, that full 27th. week, 27th, I think, whatever that full yeah. week is. That's going to be interesting because Montgomery Public Schools spring break is the previous week, and so you're going to have a lot of staff <laughs> that aren't oh. have to 
figure some stuff out. That's, that's, yeah. that's unfortunate. I, I feel that. I, I understand that. <laughs> my my yes. kid's spring break is not that week either. So Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm over the dread of session coming. Yeah. Just, I got excited this week. Like for the first time, like the budget hearings. Um, because you know, once you start getting into the budget hearings and start getting into more details, you're like, all right, all right, like getting my mind right. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple first, weeks it, ago, I was I was not there yet, but I'm there. I'm ready. <laughs> I, I'm, I think I think this conversation got me there. Um, but we've been <laughs> in the state house all this week, um, so it's all bustling. I'm looking forward to state of the state. So we're actually going to cover state of the state live on APT. That's awesome. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it because uh, we're we're gonna we're saving some time for some commentary bef- before and some commentary after. Um, you know, really do it right. And it's all live coverage. Most of our stuff is taped. So um, I have that to look forward to. And maybe, maybe there will be an appearance of the one and only Mary Cell <laughs> on our Capital Journal <laughs> State of the State coverage, if I can convince you. I would love to. Yeah, I. <laughs> you're, you're pushing me, Todd. I mean, I'm a, I am a print person. You got to do this <laughs> podcast and now back on. No, I would love to. It, well, well, I joke we'll though see. that I'm the reason that Don Daly stopped doing the the reporter segment years ago because I just the camera. I don't know. It makes me a little stumbly and silly. But no, I'll do it. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> bring popsicles. Bring popsicles. No, the joke. The joke there is before we started this podcast, I said I just given my kids a pile of popsicles to keep them quiet for 45 minutes. So that's right. That's right. It, it's worked. <sighs> All right. Well, anything else? I no. There's I plenty think, of there's plenty of weeds. That's a lot of weeds. So glad you're back. I did get. I, I did just get back from Colorado. Speaking of, weeds. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm there's a bunch of those stores, and it's yeah, kind of everywhere. Um. Anyway. All right. Well, that's that's a good pod, and um, thanks to everybody for listening. Leave Thank us y'all. a rating and review. And spread the word about In the Weeds. It's a fun conversation. And uh, I guess we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you.